Welcome to the Now You Know Akron podcast, brought to you by the journalists of BeaconJournal.com. Each week, they will share their expertise on Akron and Summit County. Now, here's your host, Craig Webb. Hi, this is Betty Lynn Fisher. I'm consumer columnist and medical reporter for the Akron Beacon Journal. And this month for our Healthy Actions column and podcast, um, we are joined by some folks from the Akron Marathon, which is going to be run um, in downtown Akron on Saturday, September 24th. So we have Dr. Nilesh Shah, who is a, um, a SUMA sports medicine doctor for 20 years. He's also the um, team doctor for the Akron Rubber Ducks. Um, for Kent Roosevelt High School and um, for the Akron Marathon. And then we also have Laura Bacalrath, Race Director and VP of Operations um, for the Akron Marathon. So thank you both for uh, joining me today. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having Thanks us. Thanks for having us. Sure. So Laura, I thought we'd just start with um, you telling me a little bit about the marathon for those people who may not know about it, although I think most people in Akron know because this is the 20th year um, of the marathon. So people in Akron are well aware of that blue line around town. But why don't you give me a little bit of a background for somebody who may be new to town um, or may not know all of what the marathon entails? Yeah. So the First Energy Akron Marathon is part of the Akron Marathon Race Series. Um, so it's a three-part series that spans the summer. Um, so our first event is at the end of June. Um, we have a one-mile and an 8K as part of that June event. Um, and then in August, we have a 10K and a half marathon. Um, that's the Goodyear Half Marathon and 10K. And then in September, we have the full marathon, the half marathon, a five-person team relay, and also a kids' one-mile fun run, um, on which takes place Friday of race weekend. Great. And typically, how many people do you have signed up? Or, you know, how are your numbers looking this year compared to previous years? Yeah, so we're still kind of coming out of the COVID world. Um, so mass events are still a little bit down. Um, we're anticipating about 8,500 runners this year. Um, and then obviously we'll have some spectators and volunteers out on the course as well. So um, we'll have a few thousand people downtown on race weekend. <laughs> Great. And I mean, over the years, I've, you know, as a spectator watched, you know, different parts along the route and a couple of years before COVID actually covered the race on race day. And it was uh, was the year that you guys ran from Stan Hewitt. Um, but it was a lot of fun to kind of cover that and run around and try to find the runners um, during that day. Um, but let's talk a little bit about um, you know, who who well, the reason I wanted to do this was clearly, well, maybe not clearly. Somebody probably isn't going to necessarily say, you know, I'm reading this today and in two weeks or whatever, I'm going to go run, you know, the whole marathon. Maybe some people do. Um, but talk to me a little bit, you know, either of you about, you know, who comes out for this and maybe, um, you know, does this is it all? You know, I know that there are some elite runners that are running this to try to get qualifying times, um, you know, for other races. But tell me about the spectrum of people who who run and walk this race. Sure. Um, we obviously have an elite category, um, so we choose 40 to 60 athletes that are part of that elite program. Um, but out of 8,500 runners, just those top 40 or 60 fills a very small percentage of that field. Um, so a lot of people don't realize runners come in all shapes and sizes. Um, and paces. Um, so we do open the full marathon up. Um, it, the course is open for six and a half hours. So that's about a 15 minute per mile pace. Um, and then the half marathon is open for three and a half hours, which is about a 16 minute pace. 
Um, so sometimes people can get scared of the idea of a big event and think they need to run like sub five minute miles or sub six minute miles. Um, but we try to open the course up for as long as we can um, to welcome all abilities into the race. Great. Um, Dr. Shaw, let's start with kind of just the basics. So, you know, I, I thought that this was a good subject to just kind of get people and, you know, to encourage them to maybe get started. So let's say somebody has never thought about running, um, you know, in a race before. What are the first things they should be looking at or, or you know, doing and, and how do you get started? Yeah. So I think the first thing, you know, a lot of people talk about starting a new exercise regimen and they, you know, anywhere you read, they're like, okay, consult your doctor, consult your doctor. And so you're like, okay, do I really need to consult my doctor? Do I really go need to make an appointment? And so like stress testing and seeing your doctor is most is usually unnecessary for the vast majority of people who are looking to start a light to moderate exercise program. Uh, and as long as they increase slowly and increase appropriately and gradually, they don't need to see the healthcare provider. But there will be some of our people who haven't done a thing in two years or with COVID and say, okay, well, how do I know if I need to see my doctor? If they have some specific concerning uh, symptoms at rest or with exercise, or if they have certain medical conditions. So what would be these concerning uh, symptoms? So things like chest pain or chest pressure with exercise, neck or jaw or left arm pain specifically with exercise, shortness of breath, unusual fatigue, ankle swelling or shortness of breath during the night, dizziness feeling while they're exercising. These are all concerning symptoms. And that's definitely somebody who should consult their doctor prior to starting some type of exercise regimen. And then the different medical conditions that we would be concerned about, people who've had previous heart issues, kidney issues, lung issues, um, diabetes, obviously, those are people who should consult their doctor before starting any other exercise regimen. But if you don't have any of these symptoms and you don't have any of these medical conditions, you can start a light to moderate exercise program without having to consult your doctor and then just slowly progress your way up. Now, if any time during that is your progressing, you start to have any of these symptoms, then that's boom, kick right back to seeing your physician. Um, and then if somebody who's been exercising somewhat and maybe three or four times a week, they've been regularly exercising and they say, well, I'm kind of doing light to moderate exercise and I'm really to kind of ready to kick it up a notch and start to get a little more aggressive. Again, they don't necessarily need to see the physician unless they're having some of these symptoms, especially when they kick it up or if they have some of these previous medical conditions. So that kind of goes through a lot of the questions a lot of people have about, do I need to see my physician? Because that's, that's an important factor there, but most people will not need to consult their physician. And then if we're talking about starting a running regimen and someone says, okay, I've never run before, or gosh, I remember running in high school when I was on the basketball team and we only ran because we got in trouble and I hate running and now I'm going to start into it. Uh, those, I think those people are best starting with a walk run program. And so a lot of times what I'll tell people to do is say, okay, start with 15 minutes and break that 15 minute sec section into five minute little segments. And within that five minute segment, say, I'm going to walk four minutes and run one, walk four, run one for 15 minutes. And then do that three times a week, kind of on an every other day basis. You have a day off to relax and recover, kind of. And if that went well, then I'll say, okay, change that five-minute ratio to walk for three, run for two, walk for three, run for two for 15 minutes. And then eventually you keep switching the ratio and adding a little more running until eventually after about four weeks, you're running 15 minutes straight. And then you can kind of play with your numbers from there. And there's lots of online things, you know, couch to 5K things you can find online as a way to slowly work your way into the running idea. Do you think a lot of this is a, is a 
um, mental block. So I'll tell you for myself, I, I work out three to four times a week. I will do any other cardio other than running. I just don't like running. Right. And I've run before and track and stuff, but even yesterday I was glaring at the trainer because he made us run two half miles. And in, in my, I mean, I did it, but in my head, I think, I just think like, I hate it. I hate it. Or I feel like I don't know how to breathe. Like all of a sudden I've forgotten how to breathe. Like, am I breathing in through my mouth? Do I try to breathe in through my nose? And I just, the whole time I'm just grumpy. So can you, can you help people like me? Yeah. So I, you know, I tell people, first of all, when it comes to exercise, choose what you like. I mean, don't force yourself into being a runner. Like, yes, we have all these great races in the Akron Marathon. They do a great job with including everybody, but if running's not for you, running's not for you. I'd rather someone do something if they say, oh, I'm just not going to run and then forget it. I'm just going to sit on the couch because I don't want to go run. I said, I'd rather you do the elliptical, get on the, you know, get on the rowing machine or do get on the bike. I'd rather you do something than do nothing. So yes, running's not for everybody. And, you know, I, as a runner myself, I like to say runners are all crazy anyways. Uh, but I don't feel like you have to force people into running. Just be active, go out and do something. I don't really care what it is. Now, if you're interested in running or say, say, Hey, my wife's running and my friends are running and okay, if I want to be involved with them, maybe I need to get involved with them. And that's obviously an easy way to get involved is you get somebody else to join you and say, okay, somebody I can talk to at least can commiserate with me and my misery. At least I have somebody to share that with. Uh, I think that's helpful too. So I don't feel like everybody has to run. And when it comes to the breathing thing, I tell people, don't, don't force that either. Don't think about, okay, let me breathe in through my nose, out through my mouth. How am I supposed to do this? I'm like, when you get tired, you get tired. You're just going to try to get air in however you can. And so I don't feel like you need to force that one way or the other either. Okay. Okay. And probably, I mean, I know that like when I stick some tunes on and, you know, that helps a little bit more kind of just get your mind, you know, I mean, I've heard people say like, oh, all of a sudden I've just, it clears my mind and I, you know, I, I've been running for miles and I don't know yeah. that I, I haven't gotten there yet. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I, and, I, and I, I think a lot of people also kind of um, find a fun 5k run where they, you know, dress up or do the neon things or, you know, find a good a goal, right? A, like mm -hmm. kind of what you were saying before with, with even the 15 minutes, try, try to just set some manageable goals as opposed to I'm going to go run the marathon. <laughs> right. Yeah. I think starting in small chunks and working your way up for sure. I mean, granted, are there people who say, okay, I got in my mind, I'm turning 40. I'm running a marathon when I'm 40. I've never run before. Again, those are people either sometimes end up in my office because they've gotten hurt because they didn't follow a good training program. So again, there are a lot of good online training programs people can find for free that are pretty gradual and they're for beginners and people who maybe have never run before. Uh, not always the smartest thing to jump right into the marathon now. Again, as physicians, you know, we know never to tell people you can't do this because they're going to prove you wrong. Somebody's going to prove you wrong. So I would say this is probably not the smartest way to do it, but have there been people who went from nothing to running a marathon? For sure. Uh, maybe not the smartest way to do it. Not most people would not be able to do that, but starting small, small chunks and work your way up. Okay. What about some tips about protecting your feet or protecting yourself from shin splints? You know, what kinds of things should you, you know, what, you know, what should I be investing in? Yeah, I think the most important thing is a good pair of running shoes. Uh, and I think really going to a running shoe specialty store here in Akron, we're pretty good with having a lot of running shoe specialty stores around. And 
the people there are knowledgeable. They've got lots of pairs of shoes to choose from. And I tell my patients, when you go there, I go, try on 10 pairs of shoes, you know, try on as many as they'll put out for you. It was nice to let you go outside, run around in them. I say, you know, don't just walk around three steps in the store and say, oh yeah, that feels pretty good because they all feel pretty good as, you know, just taking two or three steps, but actually get them on, run in them. And I say, once you kind of got it narrowed down to one or two pair, then I say, try each one shoe on one foot and the other brand on the other foot and try them simultaneously. Really get a feel of what works for you. But having them, I go, I understand you might spend a little extra money at these specialty stores, but I think you're paying for service and knowledge and that's value. So I think there's something important to that. And really getting a good pair of running shoes uh, is probably the first thing. Uh, And then, you know, a good pair of running socks actually is amazing how much socks can make a difference, but they can. Uh, Other than that, that's all you really, really need to start into a good training program. And then there's lots of other things involved as we're talking about running, getting involved in a good warm-up. And a good warm-up to me is not just static stretching where you just kind of put your leg up on something and stretch your hamstrings, but it's a dynamic warm-up. It's arm swings, it's leg swings, jumping jacks, side-to-side motions. That's a good dynamic warm-up, getting your body ready to run. And then afterwards, yes, you can, in terms of your cool down, you can do just some, a brisk walk or a little bit of static stretching afterwards. Okay. And then what about, um, you know, in terms of like, you know, for women getting a good jogging bra or for men, I've heard that there can be like chest chafing issues too, if they run for too long. Yeah, for sure. And chafing is not only on the chest, but underarms between the legs. I mean, there's a lot of areas that can get chafed. And so, yes, if you run long enough for long enough hours, or if you're a really salty sweater, uh, that can become a problem. And there's all kinds of good stuff, some skin lube and different types of things you can put in areas, hot spots that you get, uh, even for your feet when you get blisters or some areas that uh, kind of just rub funny. There are things out there proprietarily that you can utilize to help decrease those things. Okay. Okay. And then what about like diet or, um, you know, water intake, you know, what kind of tips do you have for that? Yeah. So hydration wise, uh, if you're going for an hour or less, you probably don't need a lot of excessive uh, water or even an electrolyte replacement drink. Uh, so usually we'll tell people eight to 10 ounces a couple hours before you go for run, and then maybe another eight ounces about 15 minutes before you go. And then usually eight ounces every 15 minutes that you're out there. If you're going for longer than an hour, then you probably want to do some type of electrolyte replacement drink. And some people we know are salty sweaters. That means they just have a higher salt concentration in their sweat. These are people who, after a run and when their shirt dries or their hat dries, they get the little salt ring around their shirt or on their on their hat. You can see the salt kind of accumulating. Those are people who may be a little saltier sweaters and they need to just replace that salt a little bit more. And that won't be enough just by drinking something like Gatorade or some other electrolyte replacement drink that's out there. You need the, Those people might need to take some extra salt, like with salt tablets and things like that, uh, just to replace those electrolytes. Okay, sounds good. Any other tips for beginners or kind of moderate re, um, runners from either of you before we go to kind of some tips for some of the more experienced runners? Laura, you got anything else? The only thing I had um, training plans came up a couple times, and we do have a couple of training plans on the Akron Marathon website. Um, so if you just go to akronmarathon.org and then go to train, um, it has some beginner programs on there for anyone looking um, to get involved or start training. Okay. And then what kind of tips do you have for people who have kind of been in the training programs and ready, you know, getting prepared for, um, you know, for, for the big day on September 24th, you know, what should they be doing in terms of prepping here at the end and even like kind of eating and, and preparing even the night before? Are you supposed to carbo load the night before? 
Yeah, carbo load. Uh, if you're really going to do carbo loading, kind of the true tried and test way, the way that it's really prescribed. I mean, it's really almost a little carb restriction initially, and then leading up into the early part of the week, actually carb loading early in the week, which again is really kind of cumbersome for most people. So it's probably honestly not necessary. Not necessary. But good hydration, good sleep. Uh, it's probably one of the things that most of us don't get is good sleep and recovery and rest and recovery, which is I think most of our problems. We, we don't have enough time for sleep, and if there's something that's going to give for our training and for our job and for our families. It's usually sleep that uh, we kind of skimp on. So I think trying to get a good night's rest is important, not just leading up to the race, but actually through your training. Uh, so I think that's important. Otherwise, in terms of other tips and things for kind of race day, uh, you know, practicing with some type of carbohydrate replacement. Uh, during the marathon, we have gels on the course, uh, making sure you know which one that we're going to use and which flavors we're going to use because everybody's stomachs are different and some people's stomachs don't tolerate that. So just knowing what your stomach can tolerate while you're taking intake while you're running. And again, practicing that on your long runs, making sure you're able to take in some type of calories just because you're going to burn so many calories out there that you're going to need to replace some of those. Great. Great. Any uh, any other last minute uh, tips or anything else that we haven't covered that you want to make sure we do? The only thing for those heading into race day, I think the last 10 days before the race, just don't try to pack in all your training in those 10 days. It's best to rest and be recovered um, and be ready for race day. Um, so make sure that you're kind of taking care of your body during those days instead of trying to fit in the last long run or hard workout um, within that like 10 day period. Okay. Sounds good. Thanks to you both. I really appreciate it. Great. Thank thanks. You.